Well, now it's time for our daily Bloomberg Law Brief, exploring legal issues in the news. And today, Bloomberg Law hosts June Grasso and Greg Storr discuss a legal challenge to Minnesota's sex offender law. They speak with Dan Gustafson, founding partner at Gustafson Gluck, and Eric Janis, a professor at Mitchell Hamline School of Law. Eric, let me start with you. Can you just put the Minnesota law in some context for us? How does what the state does after uh, a a sentence has has run its course, uh, how does that compare to what happens elsewhere around the country? Sure, yeah. Um, So these are known as sexually violent predator laws. Uh, A number of them were passed uh, beginning in the 1990s. They're quite uh, distinct in that they allow people to be locked up for indefinite periods of time after they've served their criminal sentence. Uh, currently, there are about 20 states uh, and the federal government that have laws like this. The Minnesota program um, is similar on the books to these uh, other laws, but in operation, it's always it's been quite an outlier. Dan, explain the Eighth Circuit's decision finding that the program is constitutional. Uh, there's really uh, two, two parts to the Eighth Circuit's decision um, that, that uh, form the basis of it. First of all, they, they set a very low standard for the state in terms of enacting this statute. Uh, normally, statutes that involve uh, the, the deprivation of individual liberty would be subject to a strict scrutiny standard, which the district court did. But the Eighth Circuit said, no, the state only has to show a rational basis for enacting these laws. And so that's the lowest standard of protection with respect to the due process clause, much the same that they apply to things like laws that regulate zoning and laws that regulate taxation, things like that. So they set a very low bar for the state. And then on the other side of the equation, they set a very high standard for people who challenge the due process protection, saying that you have to show that the statute is operated in a way that demonstrates malice or uh, sadistic intent on behalf of the state and that it's so egregious that it shocks the conscience. And that's a standard that, you know, you can almost never meet that standard. And so they set a very low bar for the state, very high bar for the people who are committed. And and it's always been our view and the district court decision was that it should be the other way around. When you take people's liberty away uh, involuntarily, that you should set a very high bar for the state because the state is acting under its governmental authority. That's Dan Gustafson, founding partner at Gustafson Gluck, and Eric Janis, a professor at Mitchell Hamline School of Law, speaking with Bloomberg Law hosts June Grosso and Greg Storr. You can listen to Bloomberg Law weekdays at 1 p.m. Wall Street time here on Bloomberg Radio. And among the top stories from Bloomberg Law, activists are suing Coca-Cola, comparing its advertising tactics to those of the tobacco industry. The nonprofit Praxis Project wants to stop Coke and the American Beverage Association from deceptive advertising of sugary drinks to consumers, especially to children. Coke calls the lawsuit meritless. It says Coke products have labels providing calorie information. And that's this morning's Bloomberg Law Brief. You can find more legal news at BloombergLaw.com and BloombergDNA.com. Attorneys will find exceptional legal research and business development tools there as well. Visit BloombergLaw.com and BloombergDNA.com for more information.